This is Mercersburg Academy's Berg's Eye View podcast. I'm John David Bennett. This month's Making a Difference interview features Dr. Andy Choi, class of 1999, an academic cardiologist and associate professor of medicine and radiology at George Washington University. Andy talks about his experience as a Mercersburg student and shares how his work involving artificial intelligence for diagnosis of heart disease is leading the way to help fight against the leading cause of death in the United States. Hello, Dr. Choi. Welcome to the podcast. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, thanks, J.D. Uh, you know, actually, first, I want to add that uh, I've been able to listen to all of the podcasts, uh, and I really hope that uh, everybody in the Mercersburg community is able to really listen to these. So, uh, so thank you. Uh, so, you know, I currently am an academic cardiologist and a, a associate professor at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., uh, our campus is located about six blocks from the White House. Uh, and here I practice clinical medicine. Uh, I teach our medical students, residents, and fellows. And I also conduct research uh, uh, in my subspecialty of cardiac imaging to be able to help identify and prevent uh, the onset of heart disease using new methods that include artificial intelligence. As part of my work and my academic work, uh, I'm a member of the board of directors of the Society of Cardiovascular CT, which has members in 85 countries, and also part of uh, several uh, major editorial boards that have uh, millions of uh, downloads each year. And so uh, I think there is a very broad range of, of work in cardio cardiovascular medicine that I do. Your class of 1999, we're a three-year senior. Can you tell us a bit about your time here? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been already 20 years, and our class of 99 just celebrated its 20th reunion. Uh, and you know, I've I've really come to cherish my Mercersburg experience. You know, I came uh, to Mercersburg from a small town, from Waynesboro, uh, just down the road. And you know, I came and I be I I became very humbled by the culture, the diversity the really depth of thought from you know, all of the uh, students that came from all over the world uh, and from you know, all the teachers that were there. Uh, and you know, I think what Mercer's work had really taught me was to really seek excellence. And you know, I didn't, uh, it took some time to get there. I, as I mentioned, I was very humbled um, when, I, when I first came um, to, to Mercer'sburg. You know, I wanted to share one story uh, and that was of, of uh, my AP biology class with uh, Mr. Gift, who had been at Mercersburg for almost 50 years before retiring, and I hope many of uh, the listeners have had the chance to interface with him because of what an outstanding uh, gentleman uh, uh, he was. Um, to, to really spark academic excellence in our class, he created this initiative. And so he said that you know, whoever would have the highest test score would earn uh, uh, forever bragging rights by having their name inscribed on what he called the bone. <laughs> And so I think it was literally a, a model of a bone of something like some large animal, like a moose or a deer, something something large. Uh, and uh, and if you had you know, if you had the highest score, you'd get your name on it. And so you know, a group of us guys in the back of the room, uh, included Andy Danziger in my class, Jeremy Riley, and some others. We always tried to win it, but we'd always get beaten out by this girl um, who will go unnamed. Was very nice. Um, uh, and so it also just evident that girl power has always been evident in Mercersburg. And so you know, we made it you know, our, our mission and passion that we would win the bone. Uh, and so I remember just buckling down, uh, just really studying 
and finally winning this AP Biology Bone after finals. And it was a collective victory for us. <laughs> uh, and, and it was just a fond memory because it was something you know, where we really supported each other. And uh, it was just, uh, just a reminder of how Mercersburg had really pushed me and really kind of had sparked and inspired um, what uh, uh, this path and journey that I've been on in, in medicine and now in cardiovascular medicine. Who are some of the other teachers at Mercersburg? Recall who are influential. Uh, yeah, JD, there have been uh, just so many wonderful teachers at Mercersburg um, that I had. Sue Malone uh, in chemistry, who just retired. Frank Rutherford in physics, who just also uh, just retired. Um, Tom Thorne, who's still there, uh, who may, has uh, just made me laugh, makes all of us laugh whenever we're around him, uh, just for love of language uh, and being able to write well, I think has uh, been informed by uh, being in uh, in Mr. Thornton's Latin class. Uh, and I think last person, Eric Hicks, uh, who I played tennis for three years at Mercersburg in the varsity team and as a tennis coach. And I know he has a really interesting senior capstone uh, class right now. Uh, and so I think just so many great uh, people that are there. And the last time you and I talked, you described yourself as an academic cardiologist. And your, and your focus is on uh, cardiac imaging or cardiovascular imaging? Yeah, uh, cardiac imaging is uh, how, how can, ask the question, how can we uh, identify those patients that have heart disease? And how can we use you know, really sophisticated and really novel new three-dimensional ways to be able to uh, predict patients that have heart disease uh, so that we can prevent it and also um, to identify those patients that that do have uh, that do have coexisting heart disease, uh, and I've been really uh, struck by just a number of uh, patients that I have, as well as what the scope of the problem is uh, in the United States. Uh, and I, I think, as as some know, uh, one of my own classmates, uh, Matt uh, Danziger, had passed away very tragically uh, earlier this year, and Matt was a star athlete at Mercersburg on the soccer team. He's somebody that I played tennis with uh, for three years that was was loved by uh, everybody. Uh, and uh, just uh, somebody who, uh, uh, to my knowledge, had been uh, running uh, uh, and had uh, just collapsed suddenly due to an uh, un unknown heart condition. Uh, and it's uh, it's the stories of, of people like, like Matt, who we know personally that, that really uh, drive what I do now. Uh, I had a recent patient that uh, also in his 30s that is a sports coach, uh, sports coach uh, in a, a major you know, academic center uh, and who had, had suffered uh, sudden death, had collapsed on the football field, uh, needed urgent CPR, was resuscitated. And when we, uh, when we uh, took care of him at the hospital, we discovered he had an undiagnosed major blockage in his heart He's only in his 30s, uh, and uh, and that 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 really troubles me um, because you know this is something that uh, was potentially uh, in or eminently preventable, uh, and so the work that I do in cardiac imaging uh, is to really I try to identify those individuals that we think are at risk. When we think about heart disease uh, as as a country now in the United States, uh, heart disease is the number one killer uh, in the United States now, uh, and. Uh, uh, 
there are over uh, or almost 20 million individuals that suffer from coronary artery disease, which is uh, atherosclerosis or blockage of the heart vessel. Uh, and you know, this podcast is about making a difference. And what I have asked myself, uh, and what the field of medicine has asked itself, is how can we make a difference? You know, in the lives of these people that you know, it be going beyond just the testing or the imaging that have families that have um, that are they themselves have major impact on society. How can we really help and prevent uh, heart disease in these patients by identifying it early and before it strikes? Uh, you've been using artificial intelligence and machine learning. How are you using machine learning in your work? Um, I think the first thing to really describe to our listeners is you know, is what is uh, what is artificial intelligence uh, and you know what is, or deep learning uh, because we hear about this a lot. Well. You know, as, as we know, you know, artificial intelligence is already a major part of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, you know, uh, uh, an artificial intelligence approach might uh, inform you, you know, uh, on Amazon, you know, if you need new dog food. Um, you can call on Siri or call on Alexa, you know, to tell you what mm -hmm. the weather is like or to, to play the next song. Uh, Google has self-driving cars now that are being tested. Uh, and, and so AI and artificial intelligence has just been, uh, is becoming more and more a part of our daily lives. Um, and when we think about it now for medicine and, and, and my, uh, many of my interests, uh, it's been really thinking about how, uh, and I think another way to think about what is artificial intelligence is how can we train a machine to do what a person does? Uh, how can we uh, you know, create a certain algorithms and you know, without getting into the weeds of convolutional neural networks or um, uh, other kinds of machine learning frameworks. You know, how can we harness the just tremendous amount of data that exists in healthcare um, to, to be able to really augment and uh, what physicians do and to really enhance it? And let me give some numbers that really help put that in context. So. The world right now is pr producing on an order of zettabytes of data. Um, and so sextillion bytes is enough to fill roughly a trillion smartphones worth of data per year. And in healthcare, we're estimating there's, there's 153 exabytes per year, that one exabyte is equivalent to 1 billion gigabytes, and that five exabytes would be all of the words that have been ever spoken by humans ever. Um, and we have, we're only at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to how, how we can really harness and utilize uh, this data to, to really attack um, uh, uh, you know, major healthcare problems uh, like heart disease uh, in this country. And how can we diagnose and interpret and really be able to enhance the healthcare, uh, healthcare experience. And so uh, what I have uh, become, uh, now become interested in is um, when it comes to cardiac imaging, which is my focus, um, when, you, when we create a sophisticated three-dimensional uh, look of a patient's heart, uh, it may encompass tens of millions or 100 million specific voxels. Uh, and so that's a lot, right? 100 million voxels that a person has to be able to very rapidly using hundreds of million, uh, millions of neur neuron connections to be able to interpret and see what all the structures are in the heart what are all the components and what are the things that can predict whether or not somebody will have heart disease or have a heart attack? Um, it's same concept in genomic medicine where you know, a machine may be able to go through a whole genomic sequence and then be able to predict what can happen with that patient's heart. Um, and so what, what we've been interested in is 
uh, how can we train a machine to be able to then take what can take right now hours upon hours of, uh, of somebody that's been highly specially trained, that has a very high level of expertise, and to be able to use artificial intelligence to be able to not only predict whether somebody will have a heart attack, but maybe even enhance or do maybe even do better um, than what, uh, what people can do right now. And I can tell you a little bit more about what we've been doing specifically. So what are you saying? Uh, and what do you, what makes you optimistic? What makes you excited about the near future and, you know, the, and the long game in your future? Yeah, so we, um, so we were the first in the world to evaluate uh, a novel uh, FDA approved uh, so Food and Drug Administration approved approach to the analysis of plaque within the heart uh, and specifically looking at different plaque components non-invasively because uh, traditionally you've had to use an invasive approach where you put a puncture into the leg or the arm and put something directly into the heart which um, is accurate but can be prone to complications and may not actually even detect the early stage plaque. And so what we have, um, and so this is part of an academic industry collaboration that we have. Um, okay. It's been years of development, um, and, you know, and we're testing this now in, uh, in patients. Uh, is, and what we found is that this novel artificial intelligence approach that applies um, uh, automation to uh, many of the steps of analysis to be able to uh, uh, tease out the specific heart structures be able to uh, tease out and quantify the exact amount of uh, uh, plaque that's present within the heart, in addition to the plaque that uh, that we uh, uh, believe is that which causes heart attacks. And we found that uh, in about 10 minutes that an AI approach could equal expert readers in about 95% to 99% of the time. And that for people that had really small areas of plaque that can't be seen on other traditional approaches, the AI actually did better at doing that. Um, here's why I think this is really important for where uh, this is going. I mean, we're we're at the tip of the iceberg, and you know, we're you know, how can we make a difference in you know, in heart disease? Um, we think that this, you know, with with artificial intelligence approaches, this is going to really help um, predict. Um, so, a patient comes in and sees me. They ask, you know, uh, Dr. Choi, uh, what's going to happen to my heart plaque if I take a medicine like a statin that lowers my cholesterol? And we, we don't know um, individually. We can only say just on a very broad scale. So I may be able to tell you exactly what's going to happen to your heart and your heart plaque uh, using, using AI. Um, we might be able to, when we test new uh, drugs, uh, we may be able to use uh, artificial intelligence to be able to see what the drug response is so that we can really refine uh, new medical therapies going into the future so that we can really eradicate heart disease in the uh, uh, on a broader scale. This also might help with training um, and education, you know, being able to apply artificial intelligence to really help train the next um, uh, group of uh, physicians and students that come through. Uh, and so I'm very hopeful um, in what, uh, you know, our research is collaborative. It is um, with multiple centers and it's with um, uh, multiple institutions, again, you know, uh, with a very strong industry uh, collaboration that you know, I, I think that we can really make a difference in heart disease. Well, many of our students will listen to this podcast. What advice can you give them about, about leaving Mercersburg and going to do something extraordinary like you're doing? Yeah, um, well, I, I think it's probably an overqualification to call this extraordinary because you know, I think it's something that we wanna just 
you know, we want to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And our, our hope is that, you know, we have, you know, that we have a big, uh, big difference. Um, the, um, I mean, the research uh, that was presented, um, and I think this also caught the attention here, uh, was recognized um, as the best, best research at the Society of Cardiovascular CT meeting, uh, which had a lot of uh, global submissions, uh, was recognized as, as the top research abstract. And so uh, I think that's why, uh, and there's, uh, I think that's why um, this is something that's getting a lot of attention and um, you know, there's a lot of ongoing work that we're doing, but I appreciate that. Um, so I think there's, you know, as a student, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, my, my goals and vision certainly were not this. Um, you know, I think my, my goals and vision were just sort of what's the next step ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it was, you know, being able to have strong uh, uh, friendships, relationships, just being able to pass the next test and be able to get through the day. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough being a student and it's tough being a student in the midst of a pandemic. Um, uh, of teaching students in the midst of the pandemic right now too. So I want to acknowledge that. Um, but I, there is some advice that I do want to share. Um, the first is that I think uh, you want to seek excellence in everything that you do, but also be willing to embrace failure. Um, and that's the, the lesson that I came, you know, that I took away as a student is that the standards for the students are really high. Uh, and you know, I thought I knew how to write before I got to Mercersburg, but I realized I didn't know how to write. <laughs> I didn't know how to study. Uh, and I think Mercersburg really gave me a lot of skills that have helped me along the way because I failed a lot, um, uh, both as a student and I, I failed, um, you know, just a, over the course of, of training um, uh, and I've, you know, lost patients um, that, um, that have been very tragic too. And so, um, but I think, um, but the goal has been to really seek excellence, to be the best um, at, at each stage of, of what I've been uh, doing, whether it's, you know, is in high school or in college and going through a residency in, in the middle of New York City, um, working, you know, 80 plus hours a week, you know, on call for 24 to 30 hours at a time, you know, just taking care of a large group of patients that are really sick that have a lot of uh, socioeconomic problems and then be able to do it in the midst of a training, uh, training environment. Uh, and, and so just really um, just trying to be the best that, um, and to really seek excellence uh, every step of the way. And you'll fail, and I think that's okay because you learn from that. Um, the second um, second thing is is to keep showing up uh, every day uh, because uh, it, some days can be really tough. And um, uh, I think 90% what I've learned um, and what I learned through my own trainees and students and in my own life is that just showing up every single day, uh, just it makes such a big difference you know, whether it's as a student, uh, whether it's post-graduation, uh, whether it is uh, just even now uh, in uh, as a faculty member. Um, and it just keeps showing up, um, keep plugging away, and uh, and good things happen when, when you just show up. Um, you know, the third thing that, that I really uh, want to convey is this Wayne Gretzky quote. Uh, and what Wayne Gretzky said is that, you know, I skate to where the puck is going not where it's been. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> and so, right, so people know Wayne, uh, Wayne Gretzky, the great one. Uh, he, he scored the most goals in NHL history, but he also had the most assists, uh, and he had more assists than any other player had scored points. Uh, and I think what what I've thought about, um, at least you know, after uh, leaving high school and sort of the next, is uh, kind of thinking about next steps, is kind of what's forward looking? Uh, where is it that what I'm doing, um, you know, I studied computer science as an undergraduate, um, you know, studying medicine, 
you know, where is the field of medicine going? Where's cardiovascular medicine going? Where's artificial intelligence going? And try to really project ahead, you know, one year, five years of uh, where, you know, where's the field going? Um, and think, all right, I want to be the best in the world. Um, and I really, really want to make a difference in what I do. Um, how can I help? Uh, how can I get there? Um, rather than just kind of looking back and saying, all right, here's what other people have already done. But in doing that, you know, like Wayne Gretzky and his assists, um, is, you know, really seeking and finding really highly collaborative colleagues and friends, both locally, around the country, around the world. Uh, because I think uh, everything that we do in, in medicine uh, and in many uh, walks of society is done in a collaborative way. And I think it's really that, uh, that approach that allows us to really amplify uh, uh, this work in artificial intelligence and heart disease and, and whatever um, your uh, field or interest is. So do you have a, do you have a story of success with a patient that, that you could tell us about? You know, so, something that's a real, that's, that's emblematic of, of what's happening on the cutting edge of medicine. Um, you know, I, I had a patient that uh, uh, we'll say was in the midst of a very, um, uh, in a very stressful situation um, uh, in which you know he, uh, the patient himself, is in a position of, of some influence and had unexpectedly uh, suffered a small heart attack. Uh, and uh, he, you know, he was fairly healthy, didn't have any other conditions. Uh, but what we were able to do is to make the diagnosis of, of the presence of, of atherosclerosis that had caused the heart attack, but also um, caused uh, find other areas of heart disease and plaque that wouldn't have been seen uh, by traditional approaches. Uh, and so, you know, I was able to then sit with him in a very detailed way uh, and really go through what the implications were. And uh, it allowed him to really, I think, soak that in um, to understand that uh, what might happen for him and his family in the future, uh, and also to be able to really set his you know, it really changed his life and, and put him on a really different direction. You know that he, you know, he adopted a plant-based diet. Um, you know yeah. that he you know, started running uh, you know, five times a week. Uh, you know, 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day, and he lost a lot of weight. And you know, he got all of his cholesterol numbers down. Uh, and my hope is that then we can show him that his plaque itself has regressed. Um, you know, through these interventions, and that's. Um, I think it's patients like that that I hope that we can show them you know, over the next decade that um, you know through uh, really important healthy lifestyle choices and being able to show you exactly what's happening in your own heart that we can see how the the lifestyle changes that that you are making can make a difference on your own health. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Jason Brashatsky and Megan Mallory for their help with producing this podcast. And thank you to Brian Morgan, class of 2007, and Maddie Norris, class of 2021, for writing and recording the theme music. If you have a classmate who is making a difference and you'd like to nominate them for an appearance on Berg's Eye View, send a message to alumni at mercersburg.edu. Thank you.